0: Want to look at the subject of how do you trust God when life hurts and uh, I think that is a huge question to try and even cover this morning Uh, Rupert and Fleur if you'd have passed them in the street Uh, you'd have thought they were just a normal couple uh, going about their business. I know probably the people that know them say that's not true because Rupert and Fleur are not normal. Uh, It's debated. But if a person that didn't know them passed them in the streets, they would look uh, just a normal couple. Uh, They are Christians and uh, they have followed um, Jesus as their Lord and of Saviour and yet not everything in their lives was going to plan now you wouldn't have known that if you passed them in the street you just wouldn't have had a clue as they were winding their way through tescos they had um, as you know many of you they had tried to had have children and they were unsuccessful for a very long time many uh, years in fact now, I don't know whether you're aware of this, and I don't know whether you do know what happens when you try and have children and are being unsuccessful. It, these sort of things happen. So when you're being unsuccessful, all your friends start producing like rabbits. That's what happens. So uh, and it heightens the, the the situation. It's interesting that once that when you. Um, didn't notice babies anywhere that everywhere you go you start noticing babies babies are everywhere and people start asking you awkward questions they start asking you well when are you going to start a family then you know, uh, as if, you know, and that sort of can hit you like a wall, really, because, you know, you, you, you know that you would like to have children, you, and you've got to answer that very awkward question. Then you happen to be a part of a church, and every now and again, uh, in different settings, the pastor, me mainly, he has um, uh, times when he thinks, let's break through on this in God. So he brings them out into different settings, into leaders' settings and into prayer meetings and church settings and he brings them to the front and he prays for them earnestly and he watches them while uh, they weep and sob and all that it is uh, apparently is just something that just creates an enormous amount of emotion. It did. I know for me as, uh, and Callie and I, often leaving Rupert and Fleur to walk away from that um, was an agony. You ask yourself this question. What is wrong with me? What is wrong with us? Why, why does this work for everybody else but it doesn't work for me? What is wrong with me? And it becomes a very real question to you. And some of that discovery of asking that question means that what you do is that you come to a conclusion and you have to have this conversation, which I'm sure Rupert and Fleur have had this conversation. What if we never have children? Well, what if we are like this all our lives? What, what will that now look like? And because of those things, life and living actually hurts. In fact, the longer it goes on, the more it hurts. And we know, don't we, because we know that this is logical. Rupert and Flo would know this. Look, having a baby is not the, the be-all and end-all, and people can be fulfilled and wonderfully fulfilled in, in what they do and, and never have children. The trouble is with that statement, when you hear that statement, that sarcastically you think, well, that's wonderful for them, and you just really want to give them a slap because they are so, sort of so together in it. Why are they together in it when I'm not together in it? They're not all of these Felix are Rupert and Fleurs. I, I haven't asked them to tell me how they uh, felt, but some of them are. But one thing that I knew as their pastor and as their friend, that I had a couple in my church that were hurting badly and I was powerless to do anything about it. To their credit, I never did hear them say a bad word about anybody else's childbearing exploits um, they would welcome and enjoyed the company of babies and children. We did have a moment with Fleur uh, once, only one moment. No, we've had loads of moments when, when uh, somebody that we know together had a baby and the baby was described as unplanned. Do you remember that one? And uh, and Fleur's view was. You know, how can you think like that? And it's hard, isn't it? They've had an unplanned baby. You know, how dare you say that? And when you get married, which I'm sure they did. Well, I know they did. <laughs> well, I hope you have. <laughs> if you haven't, you can, you're not eating, clear off. <laughs> we'll eat it. When you, when you get married, you you dream. You sit down and you dream. I, I don't know whether this is something that Tim and Rachel did. I'm, I'm hoping as the father-in-law that they did. But you sit down and you, you dream and some of the things that you, you dream about are, are things like where you will live, what you will do together, home building, careers, all of those sort of things come into this. And of course, you have... Part of the equation is children. You talk about it, you sort of say, well, I'm hoping you do, young couples that may or may not have just got married. I hope you sort of said, you know, how many children would you like? In fact, we had an incident in our, in our first church where we had to deal with a couple who, who had got married and had never talked about this subject and she never wanted children and he wanted five. <laughs> and we dealt with them... In a, mat- uh, in a maturity, because this came out in a blazing row, which Callie and I had to go and try and... But I'm hoping, Rupert and Fleur, that you did talk about this, and you did talk about it. And part of it, when you're dreaming these things, are, are amazing things. So, so when you're talking together, you say, yeah, I'd like two, three, four, nineteen, 19, whatever you have, or that sort of children. And you start and talk together about things like first steps. Teeth. Sounds strange, is not it, you know? Teeth. Where will we be when the teeth occurs, or one falls out, or you start? It's amazing what people, adults, talk about. But you start talking about you start talking about schools, and and they're even just at a concept. You start talking about universities and all that sort of thing, and then it, then you change, don't you? And if you've got a girl, you start thinking about boyfriends. And if you're a bloke like me, you know, and, and I'm still struggling with it as a, as, a, as a new father-in-law, you know, that somebody is sleeping with my daughter. It's just very difficult as a dad to get over that. Tim. <laughs> just, it's killing me emotionally. It's not helping. But you do. And of course, it's the same, boyfriends, girlfriends, marriage. You start to think, blooming heck, you know, you, you, this thing hasn't been born yet, and you're starting to think, aren't you, I've got to pay for this. Start saving now. What's, we've got to think about these things. You start to think about, I don't what Kelly and I do, you know, where you, you start thinking, you're about sort of in your 20s, and you think, what will it be like to be not just parents, but grandparents and great-grandparents, and life seems to flash through, but suddenly you know that to talk about those things is utterly, utterly painful because you cannot dream. So going back to the question, how do you trust God when life hurts? How do you do that then in those contexts? Well, I've just got some short statements that I'm just going to fire out. And some of those short statements have come from your life, your and Fleur's life, some of them that I've made up and some of them have come out of the Bible. The ones that I've made up have come out of the Bible. But just so that we get things straight. How do you know? Let's try and do some things. Here's the first thing. You have to know that, the God, that your God is real. You have to know that your God is real. And that your faith is real. That you're not just sort of being some sort of stupid person hanging on to something that actually, in a person that does not exist and who is, is impotent. And that what you do in these situations is that you ask yourself again and again is God real and is God there? And Rupert and Fleur would have looked at their lives and what they would have done is that they'd have looked at all the other areas apart from this one and they'd have come to the conclusion that I know God is real and I know God is there because of this, this, that, the other and the other. There were just so many areas in Rupert and Fleur's life that they could say, no, my God is real. You discover God more powerfully and that he's able to be everything that you need for your life without a baby. That's what you discover. You discover that God is your everything, that a baby is not your everything, that he is your Everything. And that is a trick and something that some people are still yet to learn because they think that other things are their everything. And you have to come to this conclusion, if I don't get this that I'm praying for and asking for, what can I do? And in these sort of things, you turn to God and you find that God can be your satisfaction. You find that God can be your comfort. You find that He can be your help and your direction, your love and security. And you find that He is enough through every circumstance. And that's what they knew. They, they knew that God could provide this for them with or without a baby. During times when it's tough, you discover God more intimately. And scriptures like, he knows the hairs on my head, don't become something that is stuck on the fridge, but they become reality. Because what you begin to notice is that your feelings are not something that are ignored, but some things that that are taken right into the very presence of God. And you know that before your God, you can cry and agonise and be yourself before him and say things that you do not understand because you realise that you begin to know him more intimately than you've ever known him before. That he's not a distant God, that he's not an abstract God, that suddenly, because we're walking through this together, you become more intimate with your God. You believe in the sovereign will of God as he works in the ordinary circumstances of our daily lives, you begin to see that he actually is wasting nothing in you. And you realise that you are beginning to learn more about your God and more about yourselves than ever you learned before when this trial didn't exist. And all those flaws, Rupert and Fleur, that surface... You can honestly say that they are surfacing because God was teaching you about yourselves and he was teaching you about himself. You have to look back. And you have to look back and ask yourself these questions. What has God said? And those sort of things don't become just an abstract thing again. You lay hold of the promises of God and you cling to them in adversity, even when those times overwhelm you. You have a reassurance, no, God has spoken, God has spoken, therefore it's fact, and you go back to those things. You lift yourselves above the particular trial, and you see God's plans and his ways, working things out. And you realize that they are frequently beyond our ability to fathom and understand. We need to learn to trust God when we don't understand. That's what happens. I'm trusting, but I don't understand. You worship God for who he is, not what he gives you. Do you know this is the problem today of the modern church? The modern church has come together because it believes in what he can get from God. And actually, the church needs to learn, I'm talking about the global church here, that that is not what we're about. It's not what he gives you, it's who he is. And worship From the heart, in times of adversity, demonstrates your humble acceptance on your part for God to do as he wants to do in our lives. We choose to worship him for who he is. Judah's name in the context of Leah, of the story of Leah in the Old Testament, means I will praise him no matter what. That's your choice. Because God is sovereign, you have to know, is he able to answer? You have to answer that question. In your your living, in your breathing, you have to say, is God going to answer my prayer? And you come back to the song that we just sang before, uh, before I spoke, and you come to this conclusion, no, I believe that God is faithful. I believe that he can answer. In fact, Psalm 50 tells you that. It says, I will call, on the, on, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. See the two things? And you come back to that conclusion, no, the God in whom I worship, is able to answer me. He is able. He is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. This is not a problem for him. We as people choose in trials not to be miserable, grumpy people and angry and bitter and twisted And that is the way that we can do. We can allow things that come in our lives to distort us and we become bitter and twisted. The counteract of that is that we are thankful. And we're thankful for what we see around us. We look at the The mountains. We don't look at what we haven't got. We look at what's around. We look at a mountain and a cloud and a star and the sun and the moon. And we applaud our wonderful God in the context of what we're going through. We become not people of bitterness, but people of thankfulness in adversity. We choose to be thankful. And Rupert and Fleur, I believe, did do that. We are thankful whether the cupboard's full or whether the cupboard is empty. God's still God. And there's so much that we can be thankful for. And if you are not thankful, as you two know, it just changes you. It changes your heart. God's wisdom and his power is displayed even more And brings greater glory to Him when He just doesn't give us the shopping list that we require. Please give me this and that and the other, the other. Thank you. Because suddenly, when you've been through a trial, when you've been through adversity, and when you've been through years of prayer, and when you've been through years of questioning, Boy, when the answer comes, you just don't believe it, do you, Rupert Leslie? <laughs> She's the truth. Can this be happening? Is their response to this? And suddenly, suddenly, everything gets put into perspective, because if we just live where we go, yeah, Lord, I, I'd like this, yeah, and then God goes, yeah, yeah, give it them, and yeah, give, give, yeah, I'd like this, yeah, okay, give you that, yeah, like that, yeah, give them that what sort of people are we going to be what sort of people is that but actually suddenly through all this calamity and all this tears and all this agony boom judah appears and you should have been and heard denzel on the day that we announced that rupert and fleur were pregnant well rupert wasn't but fleur was (laughs) I mean, how, Denzel Excuse me, asking this. How 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 old are you? Oh, I have to count between, I have to count the, between. Birth and death. <laughs> 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 you can do birth and death if you want to. No, no, don't do death yet. Are you are you 70s, somewhere between the seventies and eighties? Don't lie. Uh, are you 80s plus? Yes. Okay. Now, I just want to commend this person to you because the, as, a, as a couple, I know that, that this couple had prayed for this couple every day. So, when we gave the announcement out, the biggest shout came from Denzel. There was a, a minute applause from the English people. But for Denzel, he actually rose to his seat and shouted out and hit the floor, hit the the ceiling with his hands. And it was wonderful to see because what had happened is that through adversity, God had broken through. It just makes it all seem so much more wonderful. The other thing that we have to come to a conclusion is we simply cannot search out the reasons behind his decisions. And you're never going to do that, Rupert. You're never going to know why. And the reason that is just simple. He's God. You're not. And he had a reason why Judah would be born like he is and when he was. And that's the wonder of it. He's in charge, he's God, just wonder. We're nearly at the end. Sometimes, you know, even with that, you have to say this question, God, I just don't understand, but I will trust you. You know, God in his infinite wisdom knows exactly what adversity you too needed to grow into the likeness of his son so it wasn't that Judah was it, you weren't being punished but there was a sense in which you were being matured and God was maturing you and teaching you and he, it says in the Bible that he will only give you the discipline that he knows that you can bear and that's what he did and you bore it impeccably he was a perfect teacher and is a perfect teacher in your terms of Cardiff City is a good coach coached you well his discipline suited you he never crushes you and he didn't but his time it was absolutely perfect and his timing was so perfect that Judah is with us now and so Judah was born And God proved himself to be faithful and trustworthy and reliable. And God, in his love, wanted the best for you. So, provided you with the best. And in his wisdom, he knows what is best for you. So, that's what he did. He gave you what's best for you. And we can look at his sovereignty, we can look at his kingship, we can look at his rule. And we could look at his power, and they all came to bear in your life. And now, you're in the middle of it. One last thing, before we sing and eat. God is not just the God of Rupert and Fleur. And Rupert and Fleur's experience is not just theirs. There are many experiences in this room. and, Rupert and But the God of Rupert and Fleur can be your God as well. And the things that Rupert and Fleur have experienced and learned can also be the things that you can learn too. And I just want to make an offer to you. The songs that we have sung and the things that we have prayed for and the things that we have said this morning, if you'd like to know a little bit more about that, could you please catch me or them? Uh, during uh, the the buffet and the coffee and coffee and buffet (laughs) buffet and coffee my midland accent's gone it's quite and because i'd like to share that with you i'd like to say this to you that this god who rupert and fleur knows as real can be real for you also And the story that they have in the context of this journey can be your story and your context. Don't go away from this point saying, it was great that we came to Rupert and Fleur's dedication of Judah. Go away saying, I heard so much about the faithfulness of God, I met with him that day. And I believe that actually Rupert and Fleur would be extremely glad uh, with that. God is faithful and he can be faithful to you also. God is real. He can be real to you also. God can be known. You can know him too. Why not choose to know him uh, this morning rather than any other time in your life? This is the day that you should know that the God of Rupert and Fleurs can be yours. We're going to sing our final song and then I'll give you some instructions about eating.